So I'm joined by Wendy Gordon, who is from Wellbeing Gardening, and that's an organisation that works with children and schools and academies. So Wendy, just tell us a bit about what you do. I'm a gardener. I go into schools, um, I go into day nurseries, and I work with young people to encourage them to get into gardening. And then through that, I've also developed a series of workshops for adults because I was finding I was being asked so many questions by the parents of children that I've started a series of seasonal um, workshops for adults to also encourage adults to get into gardening. So our whole um, raison d'etre is to encourage people to get the hands dirty, get into the garden and start growing whatever their ability is. So you take us through what you do in a workshop aimed at children. So a workshop aimed at children, um, I normally have um, about an hour to work with children. So we always do a um, an, uh, an introduction where I quite often just get them running around the garden because I find that either at lunchtime or straight after school, they need to get rid of a bit of energy before they start concentrating. So one of the ways that I do that is walk them around the garden and we, we look at what's growing well and what needs some attention. And we talk about the names of the plants because um, the children don't know what the plants look like at the various stages and generally don't have a great idea about plants at all. So we talk about uh, we talk about the plants and what we do. Then I tell them the tasks that we're going to do for the day and we um, um, and show them, demonstrate them. And then I generally split them into smaller groups. I can have up to about 12 children at a time and I get them working on the tasks, which, of course, depend on the time of year that we're uh, that we're working. Um, and then we do a general tidy up because tidy gardener is a good gardener. And then we uh, we we finish for the finish for the session, really. So what we do depends on the group of children, um, their interests and also what the school would like to do, because uh, I work with the schools very closely to see um, what the jobs that they, the outdoor jobs that they like to do in the schools as well. So why is it important to teach children about gardening, do you think? Well, gardening has everything. It takes every single box to be a healthy human being. So it, it gets um, to catch them early. We can encourage them to go outside, to look at what's around them, to get them to grow flowers for pollinators and to grow healthy food. And while they're doing that, they're getting the exercise that that they need. And unfortunately, in this day and age, a lot of them are sadly lacking because uh, they don't play outside anymore. And also, just to get um, a general interest in horticulture because um, not everybody I work with is going to go into horticulture as a profession but I bet all of them use the techniques as life skills as they uh, as they go through life so it's really important to 
get a link with nature established really, really early. So take us through your top three things then to get some child who's not been involved in gardening into gardening. Right. So the first thing that I would suggest is talk to the child because every group that I work with has got a very different interest. Um, so, for instance, I've got um, I've got a group in one of the primary schools that I work in who love eating everything that we grow. They just love it. So what I will always do is um, take a stove in. I've got um, a little camp trangia stove and we will um, harvest what we grow, wash what we grow, and we eat it there and then so that they get a taste of that. And that's their incentive is to is to try new things, new vegetables. I've got another group who loves bugs and beasts. So the way into for their interest is to look at plants for pollinators and to um, we quite often do the gardening task and I build timing so that they literally lie on the grass and watch the, the, the bed so that they watch the worms and they look at the um, all the bugs that are crawling around and they watch the insects that visit and that's uh, that's a way of, of doing it and thirdly is to make it fun so we have got tasks to do but we do those tasks in a in a fun way and also, if I can see that something isn't igniting interest, I'll sort of have a bit of flexibility so that I can um, I can move the task a little bit. Um, so one of the things that another group loves is they love showing off their Latin. So we teaching them the Latin names is we sing the Latin names. So you quite often find us gardening opera singing calendula as we're as we're gardening and they absolutely love it while they're doing it and um it's just fun just to make it a fun activity even on a miserable day like it is today <laughs> it's fascinating can i ask is it a state school that you go to and teach the latin singing to yes yes i mean to be fair i i um Retrained. I went and did um, the RHS level two horticulture course at Rittle University. I'd never done any Latin before I went. And as part of that, anybody that knows, you have to learn 15 to 20 Latin names. And um, that technique was one of the techniques that I found really fun because uh, it's a great way of, of learning it. None of the children, none of the children that I work with know latin speak latin however the language of plants is new to them as well so you might as well teach them um the latin name calendula as it is english marigold because they're both foreign to them as well so you might as well um inject a bit of um highbrow learning into it as well I think that shows, doesn't it, that actually gardening is potentially cross-cutting across a number of different subject areas, languages, 
science, you know, and 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 maths, and obviously the more kind of practical skills. Very much so. I mean, one of the um, one of the things that we do is um, just as an aside, is I try and build that into the lessons too. Um, so descriptive words, fantastic. And I'll quite often say to them, describe to me what you can see in as many words as possible. And um, they'll they'll have a go at doing that. Um, it's fascinating. Counting seeds, um, just uh, working out how many plant pots we need. It's all it's all practical maths, and they're all practical cross curricular skills. Certainly, lots of potential in gardening. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And if if it was a curriculum subject that would obviously up the number of schools that are interested in it. What sort of schools would you, what characteristics would you say the schools and academies that come to you have in common that makes them interested in gardening in their organisation? Oh, fascinating question. Um, they see the, be I mean, the, the first thing is they see the benefits of it. Um, they realise that not every child learns well in the classroom, that children need um, space, different children need different space to work and different children need different environments in which to work to their potential. And um, I, I think that they all realise the benefit of gardening for, on a basic level, just improving their outdoor spaces um, so, for instance, one of the schools that I work in, we're working on the front garden of the school. Um, it's taking a long time, so I've got a very patient head teacher because I only go in for an hour a week. But we're taking out the old garden and putting a new garden in so that the whole school can benefit from, from what we're doing. And in other, um, in other schools, um, I get quite a lot of um, children with um, behaviour issues that just need to be outside and not caged in by a, by a classroom. And they benefit from just being in a slightly freer environment. So it, it is just the school realising the benefit of outdoor education. Would you say enough schools are doing that at the moment? Um, no, and I think I think um, one of one of my constant criticisms with schools would be it's quite often not not a joined up thinking. It's always an add on, um, but but I I suspect that's because the curriculum at the minute is so. Um, top heavy they have such an overload of um subjects to teach and because outdoor learning isn't a statutory part of the curriculum that they um they need to start thinking about it more um it's one of the things that we're trying to do with um with academy sorry i get a plug in here so which is um something we're doing with um angela spencer 
And what we're trying to do there is show the benefit of outdoor sensory play in um, day nurseries. So not to not to rise in school age, not to four, not to five, and to well, show them the benefit of out, outdoor play, um, so that the um, the nurseries can take learning from indoors and and outdoors get some of that energy into uh, the children's energy into um, positive outdoor play. Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, things like the Daily Mile, which I don't know if you're familiar with, where schools have been encouraged to take every class outside um, every day and walk a mile a day, are brilliant initiatives because they they harness the energy of the children into into outdoors and get rid of some of that so that they can go back into the classroom in a in a calm way which again is uh, is an issue at the minute andy aren't we just reinventing the wheel here because years ago children would have played outside and been outside a lot more than they are now and I Actually, totally, we're trying I, I to totally re-establish a scientific agree. basis for that, aren't we? To to justify it now, aren't we? Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm I um I qualified as a teacher in the early nineties, um, just before the national curriculum. So as I started teaching, the national curriculum came came in. I'm I'm secondary trained. And we still had groups of um, of children in secondary schools who went out and did gardening and um, dug ponds for people and did community work. And of course, all that was knocked on the head with the uh, with the national curriculum. What I'm finding now is. And I find this with the adults that I work with is that a lot of the skills have have been lost along the way. Um, so so that I get people to me who don't know anything about gardening because their parents didn't garden, um, who. Um, and I think it's uh, I think you're totally right. It's uh, it's it's time that we started to look at the benefits of being outdoors again. And children, you don't have to look very far to find studies to find that children are not playing out as much for whatever reason. They're not playing outside as much as they did. So finding a practical way to get them outside that's also extremely constructive, which of course gardening is, is a brilliant way to do it. Yes, there's plenty of survey work that Natural England have done that have shown benefits to learning um, if children are involved with certainly nature, the outdoors and by extension gardening, I would say as well, you know. So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think just yeah. bringing it back. So Academy, just tell us a bit about Academy. It's an online resource um, at academy.com. That's K-A-D-E-M-E-Y, academy.com. Um, it's a free monthly magazine. Um, there is a subscription service for um, nursery providers 
who get a, a more benefits for it. And it's based around um, sensory, um, sensory play. I do the gardening bit of it. It's outdoor sensory play. I um, do, um, I've written a series of gardening guides that are total beginner's guides to uh, what to plant in every month and how to do it and how to do it with children. So I've chosen my garden champion plants that are the, the ones that I use year in, year out. I know that grow really children enjoy growing them and eating them. Because again, this is written for the adults. And a lot of the adults I know, again, through working in the um, nursery settings, don't have even the basic gardening skills. So that's what I'm trying to do through, to, through that, to try and um, give give them the skills to have a go and make it take all the um or take all take all the science out of it show them how to plant a seed simple as that and if someone's thinking of adapting their garden for sensory sensory if someone's thinking of adapting their garden for sensory play what sort of one thing would you put into their garden that, that a child could touch, feel, get involved with straight away that would, would just up the amount of engagement there? Herbs. I, without a doubt, herbs are amazing. And um, so on a very, again, on a basic level, they're relatively easy to grow. They're, um, you can grow certain ones indoors at all times of the year so you don't need a special garden the majority of them will grow in pots because again not all um, schools not all nurseries have access to a garden that's got even raised beds so the gar the nursery gardens that i work in are in containers they're big container gardens um, I notice that when I work with herbs, so I work with herbs a lot in the in the primary schools. The, I can notice that the the children go down a notch while they're smelling them, while they're working with them, they 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 get calmer because they it's the uh, I don't know I presume it's the aromatherapy benefits of the of the herbs and the other thing is they're they're easy to work with it's very easy to propagate them so it's very easy to show the children how to take um, semi semi hollow cuttings from from them and they're they're usually successful um, uh, and easy to do um, it's quite easy to show them how to divide um, chives, for instance. And then when you've got, when you've done that, when you've planted them, you've got the win-win benefit of you can eat them, but also you get the insects visiting them and you can, um, you can see that straight away that the children can see the amount of insects that will come and visit the chives as they flower. 
um, and the um, the rosemary as it flowers. They herbs are just amazing. They're also not poisonous because that's the other thing you've got to take into account when you're working in, in any of these settings. There's a whole list of plants that you can't use. Herbs, no problems at all. And uh, all the herbs, I would say, if you're going to plant anything, look at the herb family. Although poison gardens are a great way to engage people, there's one at Annick Castle and Gardens in Northumberland. Oh, you know, that's, but you wouldn't have that. Oh, in school, it's amazing! <laughs> no. Yes. Oh no, no, goodness me, you wouldn't. No, no, and and again, plants that um, I occasionally take in things like um, uh, the digitalis. The, um, just to show them um, that this is really poisonous. <laughs> I'd love to grow them, but of course I can't. I can't have them in the uh, in that sort of setting. So it's you have to. Yeah, there's a list. There's a, a department of um, education, um, a DFE list of of plants that shouldn't be in school gardens. <laughs> so I have to take be aware of that as well. <laughs> No, Wendy, I've dug up hemlock this this week from my allotment, and also moved oh, some foxgloves yes. digitalis to, to different parts of it. You know, so um, yeah, so I'm, I'm well up on the poisonous plants yeah. at the moment. But um, but the final question: yeah. <laughs> When people get children interested in gardening, they often say plant radishes because they're a simple and easy thing to to grow. But of course, there isn't too many children that like the taste of radishes. So. Would you would you steer away from that there one? There aren't. Yes. Um, well, I I'll always put some in because they're they're quick and easy to grow and let them taste it because they've got to taste it to find that they don't like them. And again, the the amount of children that haven't tasted things always amazes me. So um, so for instance. Um, rhubarb. Now again, rhubarb is one of those plants that comes with a health warning because the uh, because of the leaves. But I'll quite often um, I can't grow rhubarb in all of the schools um, because it it grows all right in a container, but you have to find the right spot for it. But I will put it into any school garden that I can sink it into the ground in a quiet corner. Um, the amount of children that don't know what it is, that have never seen rhubarb, I can. I think that out of a group of 12, I will find at least half of them can't identify it, don't know what it is, don't know what it looks like, and therefore will never have tasted it. And um, I, I think just growing anything at all that they can eat encourages them to, to grow. Uh, first early potatoes are an amazing thing. I grow those in containers um, in schools that I can't plant them in the ground. I plant them in the ground in the others. And the, the joy of first early potatoes is that if you put them in, you can get a crop before they finish for the summer holidays. So there's a there's a quite a tangible timeline for doing it. And um, we literally 
dig them up, wash them, cook them, eat them within the uh, within that gardening club. And children that will say, oh, I don't like potatoes, will always have a go at them, will always eat them. So I, I think the key to school gardening is quite often finding what the children like to eat and having a go at growing.